Hmm, you're probably wondering how you got here. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. I gotta tell you, uh, I'm wondering how I got here. Uh, yeah. Generally. Everybody's like, it's Valentine's Day, why are you doing an evening show? Because I think when we said we would do it, we didn't realize it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> we were just thinking about my mom being yeah, here, yeah, yeah. and it being a Friday, yeah. and it was a convenient time. Yeah. yeah. And then we go, oh, but it's also... Valentine's Day. Valentine's so Day. happy Valentine's Day, Nicole. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I get to I get to wear my shirt once a year, and it just so happens to fall on a Friday live here. Very nice. I love you too. The boob in back, apparently. No. I can't see, I can't see it. Your hair's in the way. This is the Death Star. Okay, uh, that's all right. It's moderately funny. <laughs> this is funny. This is hilarious. <laughs> right here. That it's going to be in the background giant- of the show. So this is the the card I gave to Mateo because yeah. kids don't like cards. But I'm trying kids to put like, this on the wall. Well, I want to open it. Oh, okay. That's kids why like ginormous it. cards. You should have seen his face when he opened this thing. <laughs> he liked and it. And then, oh, look at all the little dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Does I mean, um. it's a Hallmark card. Yeah. Uh, or a Hallmark uh, holiday. Hallmark holiday. That's what it is. But they make great dog cards. So Thank you, Daniel. Dan- <clears throat> Daniel likes my shirt. No, it's, it's fine. <laughs> this shirt is fine, Nicole. I love it. Uh, Tim JB's worried about not being able to skip the commercials. Oh, those commercials. I don't know. I mean, when you go live, it's we don't have... Um, yeah. It's usually things that like we post. Like a four-second like, countdown. But yeah, I'm not sure what, what happens with that uh, on YouTube these days. I know when I go to Twitch and do something, I'm usually forced to see mm-hmm. a commercial before we go live, no. or before that person goes live. Uh, okay, so I think that's no moon. I think we'll get ready to start the show. I, it I is, feel like uh, I'm far away. Am I too far? Am I okay? Yeah, we're, we're yeah. fairly balanced on the screen. All right. uh, it is the morning show at night. It is an evening show. It is an evening. So good evening. evening. Hope you had a good morning because we weren't there to see you this morning. So here we are now. It was it was nice because uh, I the kids are off of school and I had I volunteered to feed our teachers. Yeah. And I had to go pick up the food and I was like for a few moments I was like how am I gonna do that we got the morning I'm like oh no it's the evening show yeah. Don't have to worry about it. Yay! All right, so if you want to help support the show, of course, you can always do that at patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. Lots of great different, uh, you know, tiers that you could sign up for and stuff you can get in return. In fact, I saw someone posted a picture of the thank you card oh, that yeah. they get. Is that the $10 level? Uh, it's. I think it's with anything that is physical. So if, if they get a physical so stickers, item, it's going to go with yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the guy got a sticker pack. And we've got, like, we don't even really talk about those things, yeah. but those stickers are hilarious. Uh, and then also the uh, thank you card, which uh, we just had printed up. Mm-hmm. And it's, My uh, idea. It's cute. Well, everything is your idea, Nicole. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's wanna... at patreon.com slash woodwhisper. Very quickly, as fast as I can, I'm going to thank all these special people Wonderful who helped us out. Wonderful people. And if you don't hear your name, it doesn't mean that we forgot you. We it, just have a list. It just means we through. have about 80 of them that we need to get through. <laughs> uh, James Lewis, Jake M., Ryan Deo, Sean Raschke, John Oliphant, Joe Clemmer, uh, James O'Rourke, Joe. Sebastian Mar- Marchand, uh, Hung Fang Che, Gary Mitchell, or Jerry Mitchell, Stephen Siebert, Kurt Johnson, Matt Robertson, uh, Roberson, Rod Shellner, Duncan McDonald, Charlie <laughs> Lennon, John Doniger, 
Chad Healy, Nick McComey, John Hoffus, there's a lot of you guys, John Hoffus and Kent Johnson. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, these lists will not be as bad once we get through this first yeah, rush. Yeah. So it's uh, we understand it's a lot of names to read, but we, we, have, to, we have to but thank people. We, yes, it's, it's a It's reward. very important for it's us. It's a reward. Especially people who listen to the audio-only yeah, version. That's true. They won't see that uh, title screen. They, mm -hmm. won't, they won't hear their name if we don't say it. Yeah. So uh, thank you, everybody. Say my name, say my name. Yeah, that. Uh, we got lots of... Um, Got lots of questions. We have lots of questions, but we also received something in our mailbox. Oh, goody goody. From Australia. Oh, oh good day, mate. Uh, this is from Jamie. And Jamie wrote, uh, I didn't open this because this is for Ava. Okay. And he knows a way to, to get on my good side is to give my kids gifts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Jamie and his lovely wife, who is a teacher in first and second grade. Oh, cool. Uh, She's also Australia. Australian, I assume. Yes, I'm assuming. Do you think she also says, good day, mate? I don't even to know To all if the they children? Good day, children. Yeah. I could, I, you maybe. I'm anyway. sure they do. So, Jamie, I'm not going to read your whole letter here, but we've read it. I of actually, course. I don't, I've never said this, but I actually have a binder of all the letters that have been sent to us because... You do? It takes a lot of time and effort to write stuff like this. I and can't I, wait to read them when I'm 80 and I'm pondering like the journey <laughs> of my life. I just... I, <laughs> and I go and read all these I letters. When I get them, I feel like, oh, what, it is special. what do I do with this? And so I just started collecting them. I think that's fantastic. I'm a collector. What can I say? You're a lot more thoughtful than I am, though. I'll give you that much. <laughs> so, uh, Jamie, thank you so much. He sent the kids some books. Yeah, great I, books. We don't have, I, have a, I love books. And I have a pretty impressive kid book collection, but I do not have this book. It is called The Sad Little Fact. I cannot wait to read it to potato it. <laughs> I'm just going to realize I put that right there. Oh, I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> so, it's The Sad Little Fact. And then, of course, this one is awesome. I've never even heard of this. That I didn't know they made, but it makes sense that they would. The Australia Survival the Guide. The Australian Survival yeah, Guide. Yeah, that is cool. You know, Australia is like there's a gazillion ways that uh, Mother Nature can kill you there. Yes. There's uh, just all kinds of reptiles and things that are plotting against you being alive. It's kind of how it felt in Arizona. Yeah. All the scorpions. And, and Jamie, I'm going to let Ava uh, open this. And he wrote a nice a nice uh, letter to, mm. to Amy. Or Amy. Who's Amy? <laughs> Ava. I don't know. Amy is one of the names that, that people yeah. often call me. mistake you for, yeah. for Amy, some reason. Yeah. Amy? The guy who had Powermatic, the guy yeah. used to call yeah. me Amy. Okay. I was like, all right. Whatever you Amy, say. Amy it is. <clears throat> you call me Amy if you keep writing those checks. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, Luther Woodworks just did a super chat and said, yeah. will there be a morning show next Friday? Yes, is the answer. Yeah. Uh, we only do these evening shows on a rare occasion, usually when we have a babysitter. Right. <laughs> or something <clears throat> big going on. Yeah, I got that in position. There you go. Once in a while, we'll cut to the dog and be like, <laughs> let's see how the dog's doing. How's the dog's Valentine's Day He's going? doing okay. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Uh, it's really great to be here. Dan said his wife is watching with him. Whoa. Hello, so Dan's wife. It's good to see you. Hope you're having a good Valentine's Day. Clearly, uh... Clearly you're not if you're watching us. you guys don't have a lot going on tonight. You know, I just don't like going out on Valentine's Day. I do not... I'd rather go yeah. out the day before or the day after. It's like going the not brunch on, not on, the on day Mother's off. Day. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, that doesn't usually work out. It's all right. But it's fine. 
You, I don't need a holiday no. for me to say I love you. I love you. I say ya. it every night. I say love ya. Love ya. Mwah. And then we go to bed. <laughs> okay. I like drag our bodies in the bed. Oh, <laughs> is the day over yet? It's finally over. <laughs> it's all going to end. Okay. Uh, so we have lots and lots of questions. Tons of questions. Oh, Luther. Yes, he said, I wasn't sure because of WorkbenchCon, and you are correct. Oh, well, clearly Luther knows more about our lives yes, than we know because, about our lives. Uh, you don't want me just running this show. You're absolutely right. There will be no show next there week because be no I will be in Atlanta. Yes. Damn, and that's I, coming I, up I, fast. I won't, I won't be able to do the show. I told, I told uh, Jason today. I said, me laughing. I am looking for just about any possible excuse I could find not to go. <laughs> I mean, I'm secretly thinking about this whole coronavirus yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. is that... Is that going to be a big enough Corona, deal? Is it called the coronavirus? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh. What? I don't know. It doesn't look like corona, though. It's a the cerveza, cerveza virus, virus, Nicole. It's very deadly. Oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I'll be going. I'm going. I'm going. I'll go. I'll go. Yes. Thank you, Luther, I'll for go. reminding me. Because then I would have been like, oh, I told Luther. Well, I got to do, do the morning show. I can't go. <laughs> I just have got responsibilities. Oh, man. Okay, let's do some questions. The coronavirus. <laughs> so we just have the coronavirus. That's Gaz fantastic. Gazanked. Gazanked, you get some uh, extra bonus points tonight. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Lopez, thank you for the super chat. He said thanks for a great show. Well, well thank you for, uh, for stopping by here. And we have lots of questions to go over. We sure do. Should I read all the questions as the dog? <laughs> Eric Cole wrote in and he says, hey, Mark. Can you address your experience in history with ductwork? Right, that's going <laughs> to get old fast. Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, can you address your experience in history with ductwork for dust collection from shop vac to Nordfab ductwork? Uh, duct Did you make any mistakes, learn any heartfelt, heartfelt, uh, yeah, well, I'm just going to move past that word. Yeah, just skip it. Any lessons along any the lessons? way? Uh, let me just give you the history <clears throat> of my dust collection. So I think I pretty much started... When I got serious about it, I got a Clearview Cyclone and I got six inch sewer and drain pipe. So it's just big, fairly thin walled for the size of what it is, uh, PVC, but it's great for dust collection. It actually, um, you know, isn't something that's gonna collapse under pressure. Uh, and if you get, if you have like an irrigation supply place, uh, you might be able to find this stuff fairly cheap. And I remember at the time I was like, score, I could get this stuff really inexpensive and get my whole shop ducted. So that was, um, that was actually the first start for me. Uh, fittings are always expensive. It doesn't matter whether you're doing plastic or metal. Uh, Ys and elbows and things like that, they just hurt. Everyone you buy hurts. Uh, but at the time, that sewer and drain stuff was a pretty good solution. After that point, I wanted to go to metal. And I just like the idea of metal. I started thinking about things like grounding. Metal. Metal. Um, <clears throat> but ultimately, I don't worry about grounding anymore. But at the time, I thought about, uh, you know, maybe I should look into some of this ductwork that you could buy at, like, Home Depot. I can't remember the exact sizes or the gauge of the material, but generally speaking, the stuff that you would find at Home Depot, Home Depot which might be, like, HVAC materials, is too thin. Um, I've actually seen pictures of systems that have been crushed because they closed all the blast gates, and the stuff is so thin-walled, it just... <laughs> sucked in. So I would generally avoid that stuff. If you're going to go into things like snap lock uh, pipe and you want to save a few bucks, look at places like, um, I got mine at Penn State Industries. 
I remember way back when they sold a lot of uh, dust collection stuff. So check there, uh, but you could buy it. It's flat packed and you just kind of connect it yourself. That was a little bit thicker walled material and that worked pretty well. Um, and then over time, you just get to a point where, you know, you're working with companies and they offer to do things like uh, help you get some NordFab duct work. And you say, yes, please. And this stuff comes in. NordFab is like amazing. It's so like Jason and I had to do some things for the CNC today to move the duct work back. It was so easy to adjust it. And if you're doing PVC or even a snap lock material, it's, it's just, it's work. Every time you have to make an adjustment, it's a pain in the butt. Um, so I, I love that stuff, but it is so expensive, really, really expensive. Uh, so that, that's kind of my journey. And uh, I guess I kind of gave you some of the you know, lessons along the way where like, don't go too thin. Um, but if you're really looking for a budget system, I think the PVC is a pretty good solution. Um, do you want to pepper in questions or you want me to keep, keep going? Oh, yeah, with my I, should list? Be, I should be gathering questions. <laughs> okay, well, then I'll do another question while you're gathering. Uh, you're just reading the chat. I kind of am. Yeah, why don't you read about some uh, dangerous Aussie uh, <laughs> animals that might want to kill us? Okay, Scott, Scott Copper says My question is if I wanted to teach woodworking to anyone in my home shop for a fee, do you have any idea what the insurance needs might be? Um, he says, it's just my hobby, but I know a lot of people who might want to learn and my shop is fully equipped. I, I know nothing about insurance. You know okay? nothing. I know, well, generally I know nothing. <laughs> I know a few things about video games. You know nothing, I would John definitely Snow. talk to an insurance agent. This is something that could vary by your region. Could be, you know, be something where even in your neighborhood you might not be able to get away with certain things like that. Insurance is very, very tricky. And um, I mean, we've even had trouble getting mm -hmm. our business insured because some of these insurance companies were like, wait, what do you do? I don't know how to so insure you, that. So you build furniture. It's like, well, not really. Yeah. Like we do, but that's, we're not selling furniture. I'm not looking for liability in that sense. So, uh, you know, depending on how you sell it and tell them what you're doing, you may, you know, it just depends on how they view the activity. And uh, you're going to have to talk to a professional about that. Um, I can tell you, not. no, and I could tell you honestly, being 100% honest, when I first started teaching yep. in our shop in Arizona, yep. I didn't have insurance. Yep. And I could tell you other woodworkers who teach out of their shops often go uninsured, mm. either for the cost or because it actually becomes really problematic to get insurance. And you may pay for some policy that you and think you're covered, covered, and then you find out in the event of an actual emergency that you aren't covered because gonna, you didn't have the right coverage. We're going to hear from so many insurance agents after this episode. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, I hear you're looking for a good <laughs> insurance hear, policy. I can help you. Well, I can tell you right now we are insured. <laughs> yes. Um, but there were times that we were not. <laughs> Okay, Josh Luther, uh, he did a super chat, right? He, yeah, he just did. Have you ever had any, and this is actually two people asked this question, or at least something in a similar vein, Josh Luther and Araya Woodworks. Have you ever had any dry spells in your life where you just couldn't find the motivation or inspiration to do any woodworking? If so, how did you overcome it? If not, what advice would you give someone who is stuck in that place asking for a friend? What, 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 what's the question? No motivation to get oh, into the shop. Yeah, we've had this question come up before. We've had it a couple times. Yeah. Um, I actually answer this question very differently than other people might. Mm, really? Um, most people I find are like, well, you could do this or maybe go do this. My opinion is if it is not your job, if, you're mu if you don't depend on it for income, then go do something else for a Take little a break. while. Take a break. Um, I don't think it's healthy to force yourself to become interested or reinvigorate a hobby. I have an ex suggestion for you. Okay. 
go on Netflix and watch Lock and Key because it's amazing. Go watch some TV. Go watch some TV. When in doubt, watch TV. You can binge watch that show right now. It's amazing. Or you could go read the graphic novel too. Right. And I think unless unless you really have a, a really important compelling reason that you have to be in the shop, take some time away. Nothing will invigorate me more to get back in the shop than being away from the shop, Mm -hmm. honestly. Um, Now, all that said, there are projects that I find particularly uh, recharging. They recharge my batteries a little bit, and and those are always shop projects. Improving my shop space, the organization side of my brain just loves it. Uh, So if I get to build an outfeed table or, you know, cabinets or some organization system, I love that stuff, and that just gets me jazzed. Um, And I've also mentioned this in the past, too. I go back to my roots. I go back to what originally got me excited about woodworking in the first place, and I'll go watch some Woodworks episodes. Um, And it is so soothing and relaxing, and it actually uh, gets my creative juices flowing. So those are the the things I do. But if I don't come out to the shop, I don't make money. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a very different um, uh, proposition for me. I don't know your situation. Um, But again, there's nothing wrong with taking time away. Seriously, um, lock and key is... Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Araya's question was very similar. How do you feel or how do you deal with when you're feeling down, not really wanting to go into the shop? Um, or in my case, edit video. Well, if I don't, you know, if I don't edit video, then we don't get videos out and yeah. that's a problem. So it's like, how do you, how do you handle it when you got to be at work at nine o'clock and your you boss will be mad? You don't want to be at work. Yeah. Well, you get up, you, you go to work, <laughs> you do your job. <laughs> okay. Will Hooper says... Uh, where do you take inspiration for choosing your next projects or builds, uh, and how do you choose which one you're going to tackle next? You know, we've been doing this for a while. We still don't actually have something that I would call a system for picking projects. No, we don't. Right? It's 2020. We've been I doing know, this since 2006. I, I feel like we and should. And projects, projects are still this like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Well, what about that? Ah, I don't feel like doing that. Yeah. You know, and like. Well, I try to like. Okay, here's a bunch of ideas. She makes the, she'll make a list for me, and I'll look at that list, and I'm like, (laughs) One of uh, Mateo's old teachers asked me today if you could make her something. I said, it depends. It depends on what What that something is. Like, if I I actually am intrigued by it, I'll be like, heck yeah, let's do it. Well, it's kind of hard to say that. It's like, is it interesting? (laughs) Is it something stupid? Is it? Because he doesn't want to build something stupid. He's not going to really do ornate. Does it have lots of carvings? And I even said, I go, you've seen his his videos, right? You watch some of his videos, see what he builds. She goes, oh, yes, yes, Well, that's why it's stuff like with neighbors. Um, You know, some of our neighbors around here, I don't think that they would necessarily want the furniture that I make. Just it's not their style, so... Oh, wait. It's funny, though. Uh, Bypass Guru just did a super chat and said, I just opened my iPad to this surprise. Awesome. Oh, look at you. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy V-Day. Our our Valentine's Day gift to you. But a lot of times, uh, you know, it'll come from a need. Like Mm -hmm. if if there's a family member who has a need for something or uh, expresses interest in something, I might take it in that direction. And there are also projects that we go, you know, I've never done anything like that. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. And we find a version of something that we could build that way. Uh, Okay. Jake M says, hey, Mark, I wanted to ask about your opinion and learn lessons regarding work surfaces. How flat is flat enough? Is a torsion table useful over the long term? What have you found works best for you? And do you have any advice for what types of work surfaces to choose for a non-specialized generalist workshop? Thanks. Well, you know, a lot of this is really, I mean, you're asking my opinion, so I'm going to give it to you, but this is a lot of personal preference. You know, nothing I say is uh, something that you absolutely should follow, but consider it and look at what other people do uh, because there are some good options out there. 
These days, I'm actually leaning toward um, you know surfaces that are have like a Formica laminate sort of you know something that is definitely not going to absorb liquids. Okay, because I tend to like finish all over the place, and when I get stain on something, I would I want a durable enough surface that I could wipe it clean, get a chemical to completely clean it off or scrape it off, and not have to worry about the surface becoming out of flat and getting kind of wonky on me. Um, so I think when I rebuild my outfit table, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to go with like a um, I forget what the name of the stuff. Like at Austin Hardwoods, he got some stuff recently that he was really excited about. But it's got a laminate layer on top. It's all black. Looks really cool. Um, thinking about something like that. And I also think if it's a work surface like that that you know is going to get messed up, try to build the top so that it's replaceable. So whether you're dropping a piece in and you've got a little you know, uh, border around it, um, h- however you do it, make it so that you could replace that top in the future. Now, regarding flatness, uh, this is something that over time, I've just come to learn that a truly flat surface just isn't that important. Uh, most of what we make... I'm going to stand up. My back hurts. I've been quilting all day. Oh, okay. <laughs> most, <laughs> of, uh, <clears throat> most of the things we make, you know, when we're talking about higher level furniture, uh, we're typically starting with good quality joinery. And we go through a lot of trouble to make sure that those joints are square. It's a little weird having you up this time. I'm not used to I'm like, it's fine. My, my lower back is just killing me. Yeah, it's probably better for the show, but it feels weird. Uh, so we go through all this trouble to make you know square shoulders and nice flat straight joinery and when you put those pieces together they tend to be self-squaring for the most part right of course we want to check for square but if you're building all of this furniture in this environment where everything is coming out near perfect it's not as critical that your reference surface that you're sitting something on top of be absolutely flat and perfect right so the whole concept of that dead flat assembly table I don't really buy into that anymore. And I I like the idea. I kind of did it because that's what David Marks had in his shop. But as I've kind of gotten my own opinions over time, instead of just borrowing David's, um, I've decided that I don't really need a dead flat surface. So a big assembly table to me, man, if I could just get a couple sheets of, you know, four by eight something with, uh, you know, an impervious layer on top. So it's just nice and clean. And as long as it's like mostly flat, I'm good. That's fine with me. My workbench has never been flattened since the day that I made it. And it is not perfectly flat anymore. It's not terribly out of flat, um, but it's definitely not perfect. Uh, and I think it's, it's one of those things as you, the more you work, you start to realize, oh, if my surface was flatter, I could do this, right? Well, I've never even said those words. So for me, it's just not that big of a deal. So Al Richardson in the chat said, Nicole's big needs out. a massage. Do you? you want uh, one right now? I want you to go to that store. Oh, you want that stupid chair. <laughs> No. So I tested out one of those massage, full body massage chairs. We don't chairs. need any more chairs. It was amazing. Yeah. I loved it so much. I have Dougie sitting here. We'll roll was, Dougie it, down your body. <laughs> just like it that. does a foot massage. It does a leg massage. I just said, I need, yeah. I need this chair in my life. We'll see. <laughs> uh, okay, Don Burrer says, what is something in your shop that annoys you, but not enough to do something about it? Jason? I knew you were going to say it. Easy. <laughs> That's an easy target. <laughs> I know. Set him up and knock him down. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> the, I would say the floors. Uh, the the uh, boxes that I throw in? <laughs> no, that I'm trying to actively do something about that. Uh, I would say the floors. Now, Jason was kind enough to level the danger zones for me where they were like completely mismatched slabs. That has been awesome. It's actually been a lot nicer in here because of that. 
what I'd like to do is do something to alleviate the total slope. And some of the solutions include putting down um, a floor on top of that. Uh, So that is something that absolutely annoys the crap out of me, the slope. But I'm not remotely motivated enough to do something about it. It would be a lot of work uh, to pull that off. Here's the funny thing about that, uh, that massage chair. I could just go get it. Yeah, but then what's going to happen when you get it here and it's sitting in the back oh, no, of the no, car? No, no, no. no. Who's going to bring it in the house? They will. They will. It's. Oh, they, they're going to bring it in yeah, like yeah. white glove service. Yep. That's what yeah. you deserve. Yeah. You deserve a massage chair <laughs> delivered via white glove. Somebody asked me. Service. Somebody said asked me. I can't remember where. Um, since you get all your tools, do I get my purses and? <laughs> what? <laughs> I wanted to laugh because I was like, "From who?" I have so many purses from my previous job when I traveled. I'm yeah. like, I'm good. <laughs> but why would anyone want to give you purses? No, meaning I could go out and get whatever I want. Oh, because I can get whatever tools I want. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's logical. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, oh, do you have man. anything? I'm I'm just ripping through. I my... do. I have a I have a few that I grabbed. Uh, Ryan Elliott says, with, a, with the new Wood Talk sponsorship, will you be doing uh, Rockler reviews? I saw that they had a new dust collection collector setup with Dustrite 750 CFM mobile dust collector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the whole thing. Uh, anyone here got one? Pros and cons? Uh, I don't think you can expect reviews. I think with them as a sponsor, you might hear us talk about new products. They may send us new products so that we could speak from an informed place, Mm -hmm. but I would not count on there being any reviews in the same vein that you would never see me really review a Powermatic tool. Um, It's kind of disingenuous and very difficult for me to review a sponsor's tool uh, just because it's, it's, who bites the hand that feeds them, right? It's a common Mm -hmm. sense thing. And anyone who tries to to pretend they're not doing that um, is lying. Like if it would be silly to do that. I like Powermatic tools because their tools are really good. So I, I stand behind them because that's what I've always used and, it, and it's great. I will be in a very tough position if ever in the future I have a different sponsor whose tools I haven't used for the last 10 years. Like that's a very difficult thing. 15? 15 years. Uh, that's, that's a much more difficult thing. So when, when things are going well, it's just like, how do I, st- I, don't, I just don't understand how I provide a valid review on a product that was just given to me. Um, and also, not just that it was given to me, but I have to continue to like massage mm-hmm. this relationship with the sponsor. I don't think it's fair to you guys to ever do that. So I'm going off on a tangent on this, but on Wood Talk, we will probably talk about some of their stuff, mm-hmm. but I doubt well, you'll ever you hear about something any kind of a review. I saw something pop up um, the tool rack showed up on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might get a, uh, I guess you would call it like an endorsement of a product mm-hmm. that we really like. Um, but no, but again, no official reviews. We would never call it a review, if that makes any yeah. sense. Uh, uh, hoochie, hoochie, hoochie. Uh, what are we doing times. here? Plan D Woodworks. Hey, I'm going to put my, uh, my quilt that I just finished. Okay. Since this is the evening show, I can talk about my quilt. We're not doing an after show because mm-hmm. it's the evening show. Yeah, no. So I'm going to. I was very proud of it. Oh, yeah. I was oh, like... Oh, you post the picture of I po- it? I just po- I posted it on my You Instagram. should have sent me a picture. I could have put oh, it up no. in the feed. It's all right. It's okay. All right. So Dan says, uh, hello, Spagsis. Hey, hey-o, Spagsis. I'm looking at a different joinery systems, and I'm trying to find the best value proposition for folks on a limited budget. As far as I can tell, the common options from least to most expensive are dowling jigs, $70-ish, 
uh, M-Power router base and MHLF kit. That's $180. Rockler's beadlock jig and tenning cutting bit. Um, that's $150 plus $60, it says. Benchtop mortisers around $400. And then, of course, the domino. So can you think of any others that might fit in that list? Or have any thoughts on which system provides the most bang for the buck? All right, so I have a couple other things that I would add to your list. Pocket screws, right? If we're just talking about getting people going uh, and, and budget solutions, I, I think it would be um, remiss if you did not mention pocket screws. Uh, of course, there is the Lamello. That's another very expensive plate joiner. It's not quite on the same level. I mean, it is a biscuit joiner, but some of the things that Lamello does and the quality of their tooling makes it a little bit it's like a high-end biscuit joint, if you want to call it that. And they've got some other cool things, too. Uh, and then the Triton Doweler is uh, $199. Um, I don't love that tool, but it is something that's there. It's like, imagine if the Domino just made dowel holes. That's what the Triton Doweler does. Um, and at $200, bucks, it is a pretty reasonable price. So those are things that I would add to the list. But I think the most important thing that you may have missed with this, you touched on it with the... Um, what is it, the router base kit, the M-Power router base kit. Um, but the most important thing, if we're just talking about making joints and clearly making mortises, is a router and an edge guide. You don't necessarily need the M-Power setup to do that. All you need is an edge guide and a good router. That's the bang for the buck. That's where the magic happens because the router does so many other things, including cutting your tendons if you really wanted it to. Um, there used to be a show called The Router Workshop, and all they did was build complete projects using the router. Um, so that is the bang for the buck, and that's if, if I'm giving people advice, that's what I'm going to say they should probably do. I got a question here from Amber. Or Amber, sorry. Sorry, I saw, Le I don't know why I was thinking beer, ledger, Amber, whatever. Adam Ledger. <laughs> what I'm thinking. Uh, Amber Lager has a question. <laughs> That's what I was like. <laughs> I saw Lager, Ledger. That's fantastic, right? Nicole. Uh, hey, I'm finishing a maple coffee table. I'm going to start with one pound cut of shellac. After it dries, how much sanding do you suggest before staining? Uh, okay. So one pound cut. Well, first, I hope you test this, all right? Because I think what you're doing, for anyone else who doesn't understand, maple blotches a lot. So if you're going to stain maple, one of the solutions for doing, uh, for dealing with that blotching is to uh, kind of pre-coat it with shellac. And that helps all the thirsty fibers kind of get blocked. Then you can come back with your stain on top of that and you get a more even stain. With shellac, though, you also get a much lighter stain than you would have gotten on raw wood. So there's always a balance. Um, sometimes I go down to a half pound cut of shellac. Uh, one pound can work, but one pound might be too aggressive. So you might want to go down to half pound. So this is why I'm saying test it first and then see what the results are like. As far as sanding, usually, you know, the next day, even a few hours later, shellac dries fairly quickly. Um, you want to give it a light sanding, uh, you know, 220, 320 grit, very light, just to knock down any roughness on the surface and then hit it with your stain. But again, your practice pieces will help you with this. Uh, I would try different grits. I might try 180 and see if that's a little bit different. You just don't want to knock all the shellac out of there. You want to keep some of it in. Um, but if you sand too much, you may get to the point where some of that blotching comes back. It's always a balance though. Um, if you are working with like, I don't know, water-based dyes, things like that. And really there are other stains too. I don't know the current status of it, but Charles Neal's blotch control mm -hmm. is so much better of a product than using shellac for that purpose. Shellac can work, but Charles Neal's blotch control allows the actual full color 
to occur, whereas shellac tends to block a lot of that color. I've got an article on this on my website. Um, can't remember exactly what it was. I think it's Blotch Control to Rule Them All. That's what the title is, actually. I don't know why I remember that. Um, but that is something I, I encourage you to check out if it's still available. Uh, since uh, Charles passed, I don't know what the status of the business is. But I hope if they're, they're still taking orders, I'm sure they could use, uh, use the uh, sales. So mm -hmm. um, go check them out. I think you'll be far happier with the end result using that product versus shellac. I smoke blotch. B-L-O-T-C-H. That's bloth. Bloth control. <laughs> Have another amber lager, Nicole. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Right Watch there. control yep. to rule them all. Wow, you wrote that back in 2011. Yep. Way back when. Way back when. Believe they had websites back then? Oh, I know, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, la, 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 la. Okay, question about uh, the Dougie badge, Nicole. Oh, yes. Silher Sil says, did any of you, including the little ones, get a Dougie badge already? I have a Dougie badge. We do. Right there. Or Right there. There's so, yeah, I don't know anyone. If you don't have young kids, you might not know this. Like, what are they talking about? Dougie is a cartoon. Yeah, show it to them. Okay. Dougie is a cartoon, and that is how our Dougie, our bulldog, got yep. his name from Because this Ava guy. was watching Hey Dougie Constantly. morning. <laughs> like, it was all Dougie. Fun fact as soon as we got Dougie the dog, she stopped watching the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I do not like Dougie anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then didn't that happen with Mateo too? Like the with show Millie? we got Millie's name from, uh, he seemed to stop Timu, watching that. Timu Team Umizumi. Umizumi. Yep, and he stopped watching Team <laughs> yeah. Umizumi. Dogs ruin everything. Yeah, they kind of do. Okay. <laughs> what else we got here? Uh, okay, uh, Nick Silva says, Hey, Mark, I know you're going to say that it depends, but how much experience would you say is necessary to take on the Split Top Rubo project? What skills, be specific, would you say are essential to comfortably complete that project successfully? Uh, okay, I'm going to read this directly from the Guild website. If you go to the sales page for the workbench, go down to the bottom left. There's a lot of information there. One of those paragraphs says, can a beginner make this bench? Most of the demands of this project are physical. The big boards are not easy to move around alone. Some skill is required to complete the joinery tasks. Uh, but if you are good at taking instructions, the videos will show you every single step of the process. There are some folks who have made this workbench as their very first woodworking project. While this is awesome to see, I think most people will be happiest building this workbench after they have a couple of projects under their belt. So I don't think it's a great absolute beginner project, but I do think most people who have the tools that I recommend on that project um, will fairly easily be able to follow along mm -hmm. and get it done. It's just a long project with big, heavy pieces. That's the biggest part beefy. of it. The biggest challenge of it, yeah, big, beefy pieces. Uh, like the jointing operation is a little rough. You've got very long boards, mm -hmm. so getting those all jointed nicely and then flattening your slabs, it's just labor. Um, it is not necessarily something that I think there's a whole lot of specific skill involved. Uh, the dovetail at the front, there are other options. If you don't want to do the dovetail, you could still get a workbench and not do that dovetail. But again, we have a bandsaw method that we show for doing that. Then we use a router for another part and a little bit of chisel work. So it's really not that much, not that bad. Mm -hmm. Chuck Wayne, uh, Wayne, 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 sorry, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> I just bought a Veritas dueling marking gauge. Uh -huh. can, can you talk a bit about the bevels, how to orient? Correctly. No, I cannot. I don't have that one. I, I, I'm, I assume it's a like a marking wheel uh, style. 
I'm assuming the bevel should be oriented correctly upon delivery. Um, or do they come without the, the mm. wheels installed? And I'd be really surprised if they didn't tell you that in your instructions. Um, I would say, for the most part, I'm, I'm just thinking the way bevels work. I always want the flat to face the good material and I want the bevel to face the waist because the bevel, depending on how hard you push, the bevel pushes fibers this way. So it's kind of unpredictable. So if you're doing that to, let's say, scribe the shoulder of a tenon, you would want to have the flat facing the board and the bevel facing your hand. And that way the bevel goes toward the waist. And if that bevel makes the little cut that you make, if it makes it wider, who cares? It's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be in so the waist. Um, so that think in terms of what you're doing and you probably i'm guessing someone in the chat room just correct me this is off the top of my head i'd probably put the bevels facing each other because you want the clean cuts on the outside edges but again i don't have one you may you may get a different answer from people who uh, are experienced with that particular one okay who's next i got next? mike davies hey mike he says here's hoping the beer is flowing tonight no it's water uh, but it I tastes have just as good. tea, and we can make believe that it's a Long Island iced tea. Oh, let's do just that. Tea. You crazy girl. I know. PM shows are better with beer, he says. Uh, anyway, <laughs> wondering if there was a turning point in Mark's journey that told him, I'm a woodworker now, or something. Maybe a project that he didn't think he could pull off, but he did, or the first time a joint fit snug right off the saw. Okay, so for me, the moment where I felt like I was a woodworker was not based on like accomplishments in the shop. Mm -hmm. It was when I was able to leave my current occupation at the time yeah. and do something else. And I think the first day that I go, all right, it's seven in the morning, I'm gonna get started. Yeah. And it's like, well, now I've got a eight plus hour day to do things in the shop. What am I gonna and do? you don't have me going, get out of the yeah. shop. Come back here. Let's go do something. Let's go watch The Bachelor. <laughs> Um, I didn't watch The Bachelor. Temptation Island. That I did watch. There you go. Uh, I would, yeah. I mean, it was standing in the shop, going, "Wow, this is this is what I do now." Or yeah. like going to meet someone, and uh, they're like, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" And it was like, "I can't say that I work in science yeah. anymore. Um, I'm a woodworker." And I think that was the turning point for me when I actually did go pro and quit my job and had to answer the question, "What do I do for a living?" I build furniture. That was when it really hit me. Prior to that point, it was just, you know, it was a hobby. So what else I got? Yeah, Jeff Smith. Did I just do that one? No, uh, that's the next one. Yeah. Okay, when starting up your power tool set, would you consider a planer or a jointer to be more important tool to purchase first? Also, knowing that a helical head is exponentially better than straight knives, uh, don't tell Philip Morley, is there much difference between the cutting ability of a budget brand benchtop model like Rikon versus saving up for the Jet Powermatic if they both have a helical head option? Okay, so I have an article on the website. It's uh, called, which comes first, the jointer or the planer? Or which comes first, planer or jointer? I don't know which order I went in. I'm just gonna type in which comes first. That's fine. Yeah, it's which comes first, planer or jointer. Yeah, it's a classic, classic conundrum. And I always say that the planer comes first. Uh, I think with a planer, you can do more. You could buy some pre-milled stock and then resurface it and get it down to a thickness that you need it to be. Uh, you can use sleds in the planer. If you have really unruly surfaces and they're not really flat, just any kind of rough stock, you could use various different sleds 
with the planer to get one face flat and then flip it and do the other face. You can use your table saw to do some of the jointing operations. You can use your router or router table to do some of the jointing operations. Um, you know, so for me, I think the planer, if you have to have one, I think the planer is more versatile as a first tool. Then add the jointer and then that's when like the floodgates open up and you could do some really cool stuff. Um, so that's how I would do it. Um, regarding the helical heads, I don't have any experience with those smaller format models so I can't really tell you how performance wise uh, how much better or worse they are. Bottom line is what you're getting when you bump up to a floor standing model is a much more robust heavy duty machine that's probably just going to take much more of a beating, right? And the smaller uh, bench top models aren't really intended for that level of abuse. And, um, but you know, they, if they're both sharp and tuned, they both probably would leave a fairly similar surface in terms of the surface quality. Um, but I think you're just looking at the build quality of the machine at that point, so. <laughs> Our friend uh, OJ Alk with a long. Mm-hmm. I just call him OJ. Mr. Long name. <laughs> Mr. Long name. Call him Mr. Long letters. Uh, did a super chat. What is a question you wish people would ask each of you? Please give the answer. Just give the answer. Oh. Uh, I'm going to have to have some time to think yeah. about this one. Um, Maybe we can think about it. <sighs> see, I don't know. I just hear. Blonde. Sleep. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, I know what the question is. Okay. Mark and Nicole Chapelsky. Those are our buddies that have our same uh, same names. Yes, Mark and Nicole. When pre-finishing, is it worth taping off the shoulders of a joint? I was re-watching the Green and Green inspired entry bench and it looked like the on the legs you didn't worry about taping off where the shoulders of the rails meet up with the legs, but instead only relied on the mortise and tenon itself for their strong glue bond. Since it's an end grain to long grain connection and most important part of the mortise is the mortise and tenon joint itself, does glue on the shoulders matter all that much? It does not. Generally, the shoulder is there for more of a mechanical structural advantage, right? Once that uh, tenon is in the mortise and it's being held in place, that shoulder is there just to kind of resist any kind of movement, any kind of racking that might happen. Um, you don't really need glue there. Uh, if you get glue there, it's fine. Um, so that's why I don't really worry about it. If I get a little bit of finish on the end grain of that shoulder, it's not really doing much anyway. I usually don't put glue there because glue in that spot absolutely ensures squeeze out. And then you have squeeze out in the corner of a spot that's just, you know, and I guess if it's pre-finished, you just wipe it with a wet rag. It's not that big of a deal. But if you're really picky about this stuff, like I can be sometimes, you put a mortise and tenon joint, you get glue into that shoulder and you push that thing home. Sometimes if you look really close, even if you get as much as you can out with a wet rag, you'll see when that glue dries, it just look very closely. Instead of having a nice even line where the two pieces meet, you've got like, you could just kind of see the plastic in there, the dried glue, and that kind of thing can drive me nuts. So yeah, I don't, I don't worry about it too much. So don't worry about getting that, it on the shoulders. Is that your watch that goes tick tock? He was telling me, Mark, you could still do it. There's still time to get your move and exercise <laughs> My rings watch closed. says... I just give up. Yeah, don't. don't ding, ding. Don't bother. Don't bother. <laughs> it's already quarter after seven. Like, well, it. Go I eat did. some ice cream. <laughs> it's all over. I didn't charge my my watch. And I guess it was around 11 o'clock. It was like, oh, you have 10% left. I'm like, ah. Yeah. So I wasn't wearing half it for half the day. 
Uh, I've got a question here from Tin JB. If you could get the pre or the stock pre-milled for the Rubo in advance, how many days on the West Coast would you be comfortable with within within letting them sit in the shop before starting the project, especially the top? Well, where's it coming from? Yeah, I know you tell me where you are, but that doesn't tell me where it came from. Um, this is hard for me to know, you know, without that information. Um, how even long would still, you, you would let would acclimate a few days in Arizona. Here's the thing, though, but he's he's bringing in pre-milled material. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say because the workbench is big and heavy and has big joints, once you get things glued together, it's not really going to move all that much as a unit, right? So I would say if this is pre-surfaced material, I would say start right away. Get that stuff into the glue-ups. Get everything going. Get the base going. Get this thing assembled I would say as soon as possible. Now, if you're bringing in rough stock and it came from a place that you absolutely know is of a very different humidity level, uh, yeah, certainly you might want to let that stuff sit in the shop for several weeks um, or as long as you can tolerate uh, just to let it acclimate. And, you know, if you have a moisture meter, you can check the, the wood and just see where it's at and where it's headed. Um, but in this case, if you're bringing in pre-milled stock uh, and hopefully it's stuff it comes from a place that isn't all that different from where you are, um, I would say take advantage of the fact that you just paid for pre-milled material and get those surfaces together. He said it's it local. Okay, if it's local. Definitely then. Yeah, I would say you don't know exactly where they stored it necessarily. Yeah. The inside of your shop may not be the same as like an open air lumber uh, place. But still, the cards are in your favor. I would say get moving with it as soon as you can. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, if you let it sit, what's what, think about the alternative. You let it sit. Those pre-milled pieces may not be flat anymore than what you just paid extra for that, and you're not going to be able to use it. You're going to have to reflatten everything if it does move. So, uh, G-Force <laughs> Racing 20, are you a push or pull saw kind of guy? Yeah, it depends on what mood I'm in. <laughs> sometimes I like a little push. Sometimes I like a little pull. The dozuki. So uh, I, you know, for like general cutting tasks, I grab this bad boy. Um, these are fantastic. This is just a pull saw. Uh, any Western style is going to be your standard, what you know Americans know and love, your standard push style. So really, uh, you know, I don't really have a preference. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have more of these. Certainly, yeah. I have more of these. I find this form factor to be a little bit more comfortable. But I do love Japanese saws as well, and they are nice and sharp. Um, but I think when I'm doing a critical task, I'm probably going to use a push saw. But if somebody handed me a pull saw. I wouldn't complain about it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, I, would, I wouldn't kick more? that saw out of bed for eating crackers, Nicole. Good to know. Okay. I got one more here okay. on my list. Um, back roads rustics. Fixing some older chairs where the glue has let go in the seat of the chair beyond the obvious cleanup and re-glue, do you think it would be a good idea to reinforce the glue joint on the bottom side with pocket screws or some type of a Dutchman? Thanks for everything you guys do for us. Well, you could. You could. But, you know, a seat is just a long grain glue joint. And while you're clearly fixing something that broke, excuse me, um, <clears throat> I just had dinner. I know. Um, most of the time, you're not going to get a break at the glue joint, you know. So I, 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 would, I would think you could put this thing back together and not need additional reinforcement. But if you really feel like putting a Dutchman in there, go for it. Um, but ultimately, if you're able to clean up the surfaces and get good clamping pressure on there, you shouldn't have anything to worry about. And no, I would not use pocket screws. Just on principle, I wouldn't use pocket screws there. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if, you're, 
you're giving me the option. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't begrudge pocket screws at all. But when you're talking, no, I don't. <laughs> when you're talking about, um, you know, the option is a Dutchman or pocket screws. The fact that you know the word Dutchman and you have the ability to make one, I don't even think pocket screws belong in the conversation at this point. If that's if that's uh, fair of yeah. me to say. Ah. All right, Let's, that is all my questions. Before. I have a couple more. Oh, I love these questions. Give me more questions. Give me more questions. <clears throat> Big Willie's Garage has a brilliant idea for you. He's going to make you work. Mm-mm. <laughs> he says that you should do an off-the-hip live show while at WorkbenchCon with a special guest. Off my hips. <laughs> off your hip. <laughs> he says, uh, is that a difficult, too difficult to pull off another evening show, even if it's just 30 minutes live? Live shows at conferences are always difficult yeah, because you have bandwidth problems. Internet is always... And especially at WorkbenchCon, think about who's at this conference. Yeah. People who would probably spend most of their day like this. <laughs> right? It's true. Yeah. It's and true. I don't... We've, been, we've I, been to those cons and we've been We those are people. those people. Um, I don't think that... I mean, who knows? There might be some... I might be able to talk to someone and get a good connection, but yeah. I don't know that I would... I would not bank on it, and I wouldn't want people waiting like, for us yeah, to do like, a live show because yeah. it's there's too many variables. Yeah. We, <clears throat> a long time ago, would you do Ustream and live stream walking around conventions, and yeah. I had my own hotspot. Oh, my gosh. Because I could not use the internet. That was back in Vegas, right? It was. It Ooh, was in baby. Vegas. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I can't believe that we did that. Yeah, because I had that... AWFS or whatever. live streaming from uh, from Vegas on Ustream. Uh-huh. Oh, that was a long time ago, Nicole. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> We're old. Because <laughs> says, got to check those IG metrics. Yeah, they're out there like, okay, I just met, I just met, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anybody. I, I, I'm part of the workbench. DeResta, con. okay. Oh, DeResta. I just, DeResta. I just met DeResta. I'm going to see if my followers went up. <laughs> I, I'm in that WorkbenchCon Facebook group, and I'm like, man, I'm out of touch. I don't know any of these people. There, look, here's the thing. We're in our own bubble. I, I, the problem you know. is there's so many people, and so many people are doing good things. Yeah. Really interesting things. really awesome. And it's hard. It really is hard to keep track of unless one of your keep, hobbies is watching this I can't stuff. even keep up with Netflix. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> oh, I have so many TV shows backlogged. It's ridiculous. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Question from uh, Doug. What are your favorite ways to smooth gradual curves after after bandsaw? No spindle sander yet. Large spoke shave. Ever tried a compass plane? He also has a wife, Nicole. But he's named after the dog. Okay. <laughs> um, I, t- I don't have a compass plane. I've always envied them, but I don't have one. Um, of course, spoke shaves are good if you are good at uh, cutting with the grain and you don't have any temperamental grain and you know how to wield a spoke <laughs> shave. Um, they're not the easiest tool to learn, but it's, it's a good option. Uh, rasps are also on the, the menu for me if I need to do some smoothing. Um, rasps are great for that. But once I get down pretty close to the shape that I need, I will often switch to a flexible sanding strip. Um, and that's basically just a thin piece of wood. Sometimes I'll put a little layer of cork on the, the business side and then put sandpaper on there. And as long as there's a little bit of flexibility, you can go convex or concave and then run that through. And because it's a long strip with a solid backing, it kind of knocks down the high spots and then smooths everything out and fares the curve pretty well. Um, I've done, I, even with an oscillating spindle sander, I do that 
because the oscillating spindle sander doesn't leave a perfectly faired curve. You can get pretty close, but you're still going to have dips and valleys. You need something else to, to make it absolutely perfect. Um, and a flexible sanding strip for me is usually the way I do that. Uh, Luther Woodworks has a good idea. You should do some interviews while you're there. That would, you know, that'd be interesting. You Sounds like work, Nicole. I know. You don't want to work. He doesn't want to work. I mean, I could, but what do you guys, like, I mean. Sit around. I mean, think about some, some Can interview. I interview just Cremona? Call it done. <laughs> You've already done that. Oh, that's you right. did that when he was here. <laughs> uh, you know, this, this conference Philip, for me is. Who's, who's going to be. I don't know who's yeah. going to be there. Uh, th this, this conference is going to be a weird one for me. Um, and I'm going to be trying to take it all in. I want to get the, the most out of it that mm -hmm. I can. And I don't think that I'm going to be focused on getting interviews and things like that. I'm, it's, it's a weird conference for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. Like I, half the people that are going to be there, I don't even know who they are. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not like if I went to a woodworking conference where I'm like, Because it's not oh my woodworking. Gosh, look, that's so-and-so over there. Like I know a lot of people in the woodworking world. Yeah. This is people in social media. And well, while I do know a lot of like, them, I, knew, I know quite a few of them. Um, I don't know all of them. Well, it's DIY too. So it's... DIY, well, DIY maker, like more uh, general crowd, homesteading, yeah. and like it's a very broad. The other broad thing is, I, got, I, I almost feel like if I was if I were there talking to someone and doing an interview, I would be talking more about like the th the things we make, and I almost feel like that's not the conference for that. Like, yeah. would they be surprised to be asked questions that have nothing to do with their their numbers or what their favorite hashtags are? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know I mean, no, like, I don't know. I, would that be an awkward? Hi, can we talk about uh, the things you make Yeah. today? I, I, I don't know. As you can see, I'm very cynical about this yeah. whole thing. <laughs> uh, Tim JB, I, I, I don't know if you're joking. Hit up Alex Snodgrass to do a bandsaw setup video. What's that? We already have one of those uh, with Alex, right? You think we should do another one? <laughs> we already did two. Yeah, we've got one. Like, we did two, right? No, 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 no. Well, yeah, there's two, but there's, not, there's one primarily focused on the, the setup, yeah. and the other is showing off some of Carter's like, products. We did that two about years, two years ago. ago. Two years ago? Yeah. yeah. So it's on the website. Check it out. Yep. It's, it's good. Uh, let's see. We got a question here from Scott K. Hey, Mark, I can't remember. Do you have an oscillating spindle sander? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it? That's yep. all there oh. is? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I love it. I've got a floor-standing uh, jet model. It's the jet. Um, oh, yeah. I won't recognize Nick Ferry. He's lost almost 100 pounds. I follow oh, him wow. on Facebook. So I might. I is, might is he going to be there? I don't know. I don't know who's going to be there. Yeah. I know I'm going to be there, and I know Cremona's going to be there. Yeah. I know some of the speakers. You're just going to be like stuck to Cremona, and you'll just, Cremona, Look, take me where you go. I just wish he was bigger because I would hide behind him. The problem is. You know what? Cremona is taking my place. That yeah. is what's happening. He's my, my front. Which yes. I was like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. I'm like, <laughs> push him in front. <laughs> Oh, God. I just wish he was bigger. Yeah. I try to hide behind him, and it's like me hiding behind Mateo. People can just see me. Yeah. You're like, you know, I can see you, right? <laughs> You're right there. You're right there. Uh, Glenn74, what is your favorite up-cut, down-cut router bit? Um, You mean brand? I don't know. It just says your favorite. Is there... I mean, I've got a lot of MLCS bits. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of white side bits. Mm -hmm. And usually when I go for um, your typical upcut, downcut spiral, those are like the two companies that I'm looking at most of the yep. time. Brian Thorpe, I have an old tool chest that has not been open for 50 years. Ooh. 
Uh, some plastic wow. screwdriver handles deteriorated, and the fumes rusted all oh, of geez. the metal. Weird. Oh, wow. Have you found anything that will remove the rust? Okay, I'm not really the big refab kind of guy, but there are products out there that will aggressively remove rust. I don't know exactly what they're called, and you might want to talk people to people who work with metal and old rusty stuff um, because some of them are certainly going to be better than others. Others, there might be some that may do damage that you don't want them to do. So look around for people who do restorations and things like that and see which specific rust removing products actually work well and don't diminish the quality of the surface or at least don't destroy the surface. Mm -hmm. But you don't want rust removal advice from me unless it's like light surface yeah. rust. If we're talking about deep cool. rust and pitting and things like that, um, that's, that's not something I know a whole lot about. Uh, he, Luther said you did a lighthearted interview video from Woodworking in America. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. That was nice. I just go back and watch that. <laughs> just go watch that. <laughs> I did it once already. All right. Do we have any other questions from your side? Uh, no, I'm done. I All mean, right. I got the live chat and anything you have. Since we are not doing a show next week. Everybody's saying Vaporust. Oh, well, there you go. As a product. And uh, Naval Jelly. Naval Jelly? Yeah. Like you belly button jelly? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> no, there's a product called oh, Naval oh. Jelly, but I always do think of belly button jelly. <laughs> there, there's a show title. Oh by the way. my gosh! You mean belly button jelly? <laughs> by the way, you see that can up there next to the WD-40? No, I'm. Blind. Oh, you don't I'm, have glasses on. You should look at mine. There's a can of Naval Jelly okay. lubricant. It's a brand. It's, it's a little blurry for me. <laughs> okay. Bell, I mean it's belly button jelly. Belly button jelly. Belly jelly. Belly jelly. Okay. I like that. Belly jelly. Uh, all right. So back to what I was saying. Oh. Since we're not doing a show this week, we had 15 questions submitted on the Patreon post. So I'm going to pick two winners. Okay. Um, we're done with the show? Uh, I think so. Okay. Unless you have something that you want to discuss. I'm out of questions. I think I'm going to go inside and eat something. Can we go get ice cream? Yeah. Maybe not. It's no. 7.30. No, let's go get ice cream. You sure? All right. Uh, so I do my random org. Number three was the winner, the first winner, and it just so happens to be Josh Luther. <laughs> Luther. Oh, no kidding. He was number three. One, two, three. He was very active so, in the chat today. Yes, he was. Uh, Josh, you won a guild project. Yay! Yay! Not only did you get your question answered. But you're yeah. going to get a project. Uh, I'll post in the Patreon post my email, Nicole at thewoodwhisperer.com, and you can pick any project you want to, uh, to unlock. And my second winner is going to be number 14. Number 14. 14, 14. That's all the way down. And that is going to be Mark and Nicole. Oh, very nice. Uh, check pop. I'm Ch sorry. Ch I say I would say Chapelsky. Hey, if you're playing that drinking game, you just drink. <laughs> <laughs> Chapelsky. Chapelsky. So uh, again, Nicole at thewoodwhisper.com. I will put it in this post, and you can tell me which project Sweet. you would like. So there you go. Peter uh, Villa Villa Luz is in the chat room. He says just started following you guys a couple months ago, and most recently been listening to Wood Talk. Glad that I got to uh, catch a live show. That's awesome. We love this whole, this whole wood talk thing is pretty, there's a lot of energy around the wood talk thing, Nicole. People are excited. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked me for you to give them a five minute rundown of what wood talk is. How about the 30 second rundown? Okay. Or maybe the 20 second rundown. <laughs> and then the wood talk doesn't need five minutes. It, it might have been 30 seconds. I wood don't talk is just a audio 
podcast uh, with three guys talking about woodworking, what we've been up to, what we're building, and uh, also answering questions. It's a lot of Q&A, and uh, lately with the resurgence of Wood Talk, we've just recently brought it back, uh, we are now working with Rockler, and we've decided to kind of make things a little more focused on the show. So now uh, every show will generally have a major topic that we will actually do a little bit of prep work for. In the past, Wood Talk has always been like a side project and we would barely get show notes ready for the show. Uh, now we're actually prepping shows ahead of time and getting topics in place. And Being organized. Doing things like, like putting a... some effort into it. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I like to say that it's, it's only going to get better from here. Yeah. So that's, yeah, uh, yeah. we're super excited about it though. Everybody would like, we actually texted back and forth. Uh, Shannon was like, you know, I got to say, it's really good to be uh, talking to you guys again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, shut up, you jerk. <laughs> Stop texting me. How'd you get my number? <laughs> uh, Cody, oh, oh, Cody has a question. I want a forest woodworker too. 1.5 horsepower Laguna uh, F1, 30T or 40T, question mark. I don't know what he's asking me here. Uh, oh, he's he. there's an Acme deal tonight. That's right. I did get a coupon code for uh, like 15% off or 14% off for their Valentine's yeah. Day sale. I don't have it. <laughs> but um, I don't think he's asking a question. Though. Is he? He's just, oh, he's saying but he says question 30 mark, 30 tooth 40 tooth. <clears throat> Man, I love that 40 tooth. I do a lot more with plywood than you probably do based on what you're saying, you know? So if you're doing a lot of ripping, then you want that 30 tooth. Uh, For me, the 40 tooth is good. It's a good combo blade because I'm doing hardwoods, then I'm doing plywood. I'm doing rips, then I'm doing cross cuts. It allows me to be lazy. So it's not the most efficient thing on a long eight quarter rip, but it does get the job done. I do have a 30 tooth blade sometimes if I'm feeling fancy and I got a lot of cuts to do, I'll throw that bad boy in there. But man, a 40 tooth, good quality 40 tooth blade, allows me to be lazy and I get good results with it. So, um, but it just depends on how much you're actually doing ripping, you know, so you might want that. So we do have an affiliate with Acme Tools, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to give you the code. So if you do want to go over to Acme Tools and save 14% off one item, it's the number one, true love. That's their coupon code for the day. Okay, nice. (laughs) And there's like, yeah, so that's the... For one item tonight only Very nice. at Acme Tools. Well, jump on that. Jump on it. Get some love. Get some uh, forest love. Yeah. Love in the forest. Okay. There you go. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, oh, you okay? That, you know what? Guy has a really good question I think we should a- answer, or you should answer. Guy? I mean, Is his honestly, name Guy, or is it some guy? It's His name is Guy. Okay. There you go. He said, what's the deal with <laughs> what's Shannon? What's the deal with Shannon? <laughs> he never sees any content from him anymore. Which he is producing well, content because he has. He uh, a told school. he told me, guy, that he hasn't seen money from you recently. <laughs> so let's call it even. <clears throat> Seriously though, Shannon has a day job. Uh, everything he does with woodworking is just for fun, just for extra, and maybe even some side income. Uh, he has the hand tool school, and he is prolific there and puts a lot of content into his paid. Uh, paid stuff, right? So that's why you don't see much from him on, you know, his regular YouTube channel or he's, he does some stuff on social, but you might you might get to see him on a, a bike or something like that. Uh, but honestly, he's very invested in his hand tool school community, um, but he's still around. Uh, he just doesn't feel the need or desire to uh, to put a lot of free content out there. Handtoolschool.net. 
Hanselschool.net. What was he thinking getting .net? <clears throat> because .com was taken. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, All what are right. we doing? We're done? We're done. We better go. <laughs> Dave, he said, call the fire department. You're going to need a burn unit. <laughs> No, it's funny. We had a text about that today where he was saying someone was giving him crap about not doing enough, you know, free, free content. content. And it's like, well, you haven't paid me any money. <laughs> I already did pick the winner, the second winner loser. It was uh, Mark and Nicole. Oh, yeah. Mark and Nicole, Nicole Chapelsky. Mm -hmm. Okay. You guys have a wonderful Valentine's Day. What's left of it? Yeah. And uh, a wonderful weekend. And unfortunately, yeah, we're not going to be here next week. I will be out of town, uh, but we will certainly be back the Friday after that, yes. yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, you know what I didn't even Unless do? Unless you're You sick. know what I didn't do? I didn't show this. Oh, yeah. Oh. I had that sitting here. The here, let's thing. switch cameras real switch quick. Everybody. Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> How's it going? Happy Valentine's Day. All right. This is a, uh, a little okay. thing that Jay and I made today. It's the Powermatic logo. Yep. This comes embedded, like, in the <laughs> into the machine. Yeah. You, uh, it's a... It's a what do you call it? I forget what the thing is called, but it's preloaded into the, the Powermatic CNC, so you could just kind of knock this out really quickly. It actually fits really well right there. <clears throat> yeah, it does. Yeah. So this was the first thing we made, um, and it took way too long to do this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're, you're, it's giving you a different perspective, I think. It really is. I mean, I've known a lot of CNC operators, and I, I know what goes into it, and I've always known it's a world... That's a whole different thing, and it's, yeah. a, it's a whole different discipline, and that's why I usually pay other people who've done all the hard work so that they can do that stuff for me, right? So it's a very different thing to, to do it myself yeah. and you know just understand how it all works because it's not clearly laid out mm -hmm. in the way like you might expect something to be, right? Uh, I don't know. Is there a CNC for dummy books? Because if there is, I'm I probably... probably Probably should read it. I bet it. you there is. <laughs> but I mean, I need specific things like the menu system on the machine, right? There is a There's CNC. a dummies book for everything. Oh, it, it's just called machining. Machining for dummies. That's probably not going to be the same thing. Mm, no. Anyway, it did give me a whole lot of appreciation for what goes into these things, especially when you do something complex. This is about as simple as it gets. It was preloaded. I didn't even have to come up with this. And it took us all day to get this thing made. It was ridiculous, right? Um, and I do want to address one thing. As I talk about CNC a little bit here and there, I do want to make sure I, I sort of head off the, oh, well, I hope you're not just going to do all CNC projects from now on. It's like, look, I, that, that would not be satisfying for me. Yeah. Uh, I love my wood shop. I love my tools. And I love building things with my hands. The CNC is just another tool. And it's going to be a little bit of a rabbit hole that I'll probably dive down because I want to learn about it. Um, I don't know how much of it's going to make it into my furniture per se. I will probably be using the CNC to do things that I cannot do mm -hmm. the other way. Mm -hmm. uh, and I might, we're going to be using them to make templates and things that we sell on the website. Um, and you know, and I don't know, like little carvings. And or, Jason's interested in it too. Jason so. wants to learn it as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if, you, if, if you're worried that suddenly the Wood Whisperer is going to become a CNC channel, worry not, my friends. You're the CNC Whisperer, man. I can tell you that I'm going to try it but I'm probably going to suck at it yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. And I will try to do things with it, but I don't think you're going to, you're not going to see me batching out projects on the Wood Whisperer yeah. using a CNC. That would be silly. That's not what we do. We teach people how to do woodworking. So, um, you know, don't worry about it is what I'm saying. Trust me. It's going to be fine. Everybody settle down. Settle down, Nicole. Put on your new name tag. 
You look like a. We just put your name on there. You look like a oversized name badge <laughs> My name's at a Fla- conference. Flo. <laughs> it reminds me of like the badges yeah. that they on, a, on a Alice. I'm dating myself. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Kiss my grits. <laughs> Kiss my grits. Uh, but you know that the thing is, the CNC is—it's um, incredible. It's an incredible tool, but it's going to take some time for me to mm-hmm. to do anything useful with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Thanks, Eric. He just said, uh, "Stop to drop thumbs up." Oh, uh, thank you, Eric. Yeah. I'm all lit up over it. But I'm bum. But I'm bum. His name's Eric Lit. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for watching, everybody. We'll let you go now. Yes. Um, I'm gonna go get some vanilla custard. Mm. Have a great. Valentine's Day. Bye. We love you. Be kind to each other. Yep. Don't shoot anyone in the butt with an arrow. (laughs)